Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Patrice McCarthy. She is Deputy Director and General Counsel for the Connecticut Association of Boards of Education. Good morning to you. Good morning, Aaron. So, Patrice, the big question is, as students and parents and teachers prepare to head back to school, what are things going to look like this fall, given the situation with COVID and the Delta variant in particular? Well, school boards, superintendents, and all of the educational staff are very focused on providing a robust educational experience for students with the expectation that they will be able to do that this year with students in person on a full-time basis. So they've been very busy over the summer making sure that they've enhanced their ventilation systems, that they are focusing on curriculum enhancements, and making sure that they are providing a very welcoming environment as students come back, which for some will be their return to a full-time educational experience that they have not been able to have in person for 18 months. Where are school boards looking for guidance in terms of mask mandates, vaccination requirements, and other precautions? Just as they have throughout this pandemic, the State Department of Education and our Department of Public Health have been key players in providing the kind of guidance that local officials need in order to make sure that we have a safe and healthy environment. So they will be looking to those two entities, as well as to any executive orders from the governor. And they have to comply with executive orders. Those have the force of law. And they know that guidance, even though termed as guidance from the Department of Public Health, is very significant because those are the public health professionals. Those are the people best able to make sure that what we're doing in our schools is in the best interests of health and safety for everyone in the building. We heard this past week from the state's largest teachers union, the CEA, that they are in favor of mask mandates, but not of COVID vaccine mandates for teachers. Are Is the jury still out on those two issues? Well, right now, since in terms of students, since there is not an approved vaccine that's even available to our students who are under the age of 12, that again would be eventually a state Department of Public Health determination as to whether or not vaccines would be required. 
The vaccination protocols for school entry are contained in our statutes, and I don't foresee the a mandate in the immediate future, certainly, around a COVID vaccine. Individual employers can make determinations about vaccinations for staff, but we have not been hearing from school districts that they are going down that road. They certainly, we had many educators that were very anxious to receive their vaccinations as soon as that was possible this past spring. And so I think there has been, a among the education community, a great desire to embrace the ability to be vaccinated. And in terms of masks? Again, masks will fall most likely under a governor's executive order or guidance from our Connecticut Department of Public Health. And that has been a very important resource for districts because they look at the health metrics statewide. And we hear repeatedly that what is most important to maintain health and safety in our school buildings is a suite of mitigation strategies. So vaccination is very important, but we know that for our elementary school students, they're not currently eligible to be vaccinated. So you couple that with masks, with improved ventilation systems, with hand washing, and to the extent possible with maintaining a greater physical distance. The COVID situation a month or so ago looked a lot different than it does today before we we really started to see upticks with the Delta variant. What sort of conversations are school boards having right now about the upcoming year? And what kind of questions are they getting from parents? Well, we actually had a leadership conference this past week with board members from around the state, and they are very attuned to the fact that their communities rely on them to provide a safe environment for students. That means safe from a health perspective, a social emotional perspective, as well as making sure there's a robust academic experience. So they are hearing concerns from the greater community. There are parents who are articulating a concern that students should not be required to wear masks. And there are also parents that are saying, I don't feel safe sending my child back to school who can't yet be vaccinated unless the school community is wearing a mask as one of those layers of protection to mitigate the spread of this virus. So school districts will be relying on the state guidance and they they understand and are listening to the concerns of their community. And they play a very important role in communicating to the community that we are following the best guidance available to protect your students, as well as the other members of our community. Now, you mentioned that school districts are preparing for full-time in-person learning this fall. Are you aware of any districts in Connecticut that have a, a hybrid plan or an alternative remote learning plan in place if students or, or their parents don't feel comfortable or you know something changes between now and the start of the school year? There's no requirement for the upcoming school year that a remote learning option be offered. A few districts explored that option, but I'm not aware of any that are actually going to offer that as a parental choice. Obviously, if the health metrics change and they need to revert as they did last year to some sort of hybrid or distance learning mode, they certainly have learned a great deal from the experience in the past year 
in order to make the delivery of education more successful in that environment. But there's widespread understanding that the in-person experience, the connection between teachers and students, as well as the connection students have with their peers is so important to the educational experience that there's a real focus on trying to do that in a safe, successful manner without interruptions and following that suite of mitigation strategies is the best way to make that possible. Now, there's been so much focus on the start of the school year in the fall, but there's learning going on across the state right now in summer programs And it's arguably more important now than ever before, given all the ground that has been lost during the pandemic. The summer programs this year are certainly a key component, and districts have put a lot of energy into making sure that they are offering not only an academic experience, but also a social experience for their students. So it's not just all about catching up where there may be learning gaps, but allowing students the chance to interact with peers, to engage in recreational activities, which for many of our students, they have not had the opportunity to do in in many months. We have seen certainly learning gaps, but we also know that there has definitely been learning progress for many of our students. The important thing is to identify those gaps, fill them in as quickly as possible, and support our students in moving forward with their learning. Talk a little more about social and emotional learning. I think, you know, anyone who spends time working or learning remotely is is going to be impacted in in the social realm. How does that differ for children versus, say, adults who might be away from the office? Well, certainly for children who are used to being with their peers, who have extracurricular activities that they benefit from, The fact that many of those were not available to them, those opportunities were simply not available, couldn't be provided in a safe manner over the past 18 months. That has created a lot of stress, even for our youngest learners. They need to be supported. They need to be able to talk about the fears. Some of our students have lost family members to the pandemic. Some of them have been in less stable housing situations than they were previously. And so being able to support them and help them with strategies to talk about those issues and to develop the resilience to be able to move forward. We've heard that some parents with children who were set to enter pre-K or kindergarten decided to hold off a year sending their kids to school because of the pandemic. Is this an issue that boards of education are are tracking? And is it a concern given space and other issues? Some districts do definitely expect a larger enrollment in their kindergarten class in the upcoming year because of that very reason. If a child hadn't started school, as you said, families in some cases said, let's wait until we're in a more stable, predictable environment from the health perspective. Uh, But I am not aware of any district that is really facing additional space concerns because of that. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Patrice McCarthy. She is Deputy Director and General Counsel for the Connecticut Association of Boards of Education. You mentioned the importance of the guidance from the, the State Department of Public Health. Are boards of education getting 
everything else they need from the state and federal governments in terms of funding and resources to be able to adequately educate young people? Certainly the infusion of federal funds is a dramatic opportunity to not just support the needs of our students as we move through this pandemic, but also to provide the opportunity for districts to initiate some new programs, some new strategies that hopefully when they see the data that indicates the success of those programs, they'll be able to replicate and continue those in the future, even once the federal funding is uh, ends. Give us an idea of some of the, the programs that these federal funds are being used for. Well, they're being used for, in terms of hard costs, things like improving the ventilation systems. Many of our schools are rather old. They are still very serviceable, but they had very outdated ventilation systems. So those changes will be very helpful to the learning environment, not just from the current health perspective, but going forward for years. They're also looking at programs that provide some individualized tutoring for students to very much focus on their specific learning needs in order to fill gaps that they may have experienced during the remote or hybrid learning situation. And they're also investing in social emotional supports, professional development for our teaching staff, as well as strategies that those teachers can use in the classroom to support their students. Talk a little more about that and the additional positions, I suspect, in some cases that are needed to support social and emotional learning after being away from the classroom for a year plus in some cases. Yes, the need for additional school counselors was apparent before the pandemic and is even more apparent now. And some districts, because those are, in many cases, shortage areas, the many districts are looking at coordinating with community agencies in order to provide those services to their students. Now, on the issue of remote learning, you mentioned that school districts now are in a much better place in in terms of of having to go remote if if that has to be an option. Can they use that capability in other instances as well? I'm thinking about snow days. Are snow days going to be a, a thing of the past? Well, under existing state law, distance learning would not count in the upcoming school year uh, in the event of a snow day. It, it's not an option in terms of meeting the 180-day requirement. That was an option during the past year. That was put in place because so many districts were already in a remote learning mode that it seemed silly to, uh, on just because it was snowing, not have that day count for instruction. This legislation passed in the most recent General Assembly does require the State Department of Education to form a committee and look at standards around distance learning. So I, it certainly is a possibility that in the future, that may become an option for districts to utilize in the event of snow days. Were there other key pieces of legislation that affect K-12 through learning in Connecticut that cleared the General Assembly or, or didn't this past session? Well, certainly the legislature's continued support for the education cost-sharing grant, the, the major 
state level funding for K-12 education was very commendable, very much needed by local districts, because that predictability of that grant from year to year is key as boards build their budgets. We know that federal funding can be granted and then can be rescinded. The state funding and the legislature's commitment to education funding is very important. How big a concern is it that you are going to be able to to start all these these new and innovative programs with the federal funding? And then, as you mentioned, having it it go away in the future and having to support those programs through other means? Well, the State Department of Education in Connecticut has been working very closely with districts as they develop their plans. There are uh, some coaches that are working with superintendents to support them as they craft plans that can be sustained going forward. So as we look at new initiatives and we're able to compile data on the positive impact, hopefully, that those initiatives have on students, the expectation is that that data will then be good evidence to support continued funding in the future, whether that be from the state or federal government or from philanthropic opportunities. Now, throughout the pandemic, the state's two major teachers unions, the Connecticut Education Association and the the, the Federation of Teachers, ha- have been quite outspoken in terms of how they feel certain health protocols sh- should play out in the schools. As you approach the new school year, how closely aligned are the two teachers unions and boards of education, are they pretty much on the same page, would you say? I think we're very closely aligned. We continue to have weekly meetings of the state-level partners, uh, superintendents, principals, school boards, the two teachers unions, and the State Department of Education. So that's an opportunity where we're able to share concerns, uh, share priorities, and really have a consensus in terms of what needs to be done to make sure that students and staff are safe and healthy. Now, we've talked about social and emotional learning and the the toll the pandemic has taken on students. It must also take a toll on, on teachers, staff, and administrators, too. Absolutely. It's been an incredibly challenging year for everyone connected with the educational enterprise, as well as the community at large. So uh, parents are impacted. They have had to adjust to supporting their students in a hybrid or a distance learning environment in ways that they have never been trained to do. Certainly, the flexibility that our educators have shown has been very important in allowing us to continue to meet student needs. And for boards of education, they are the representatives of the community. They are hearing through Zoom meetings, through in-person meetings, about community concerns, they're receiving community input, and they're remaining focused on the mission of the district, their vision for their students, and supporting the overall well-being of the students in their district. As you mentioned earlier, elementary school students are not yet eligible for COVID vaccines. Are school districts planning for that eventuality when the vaccines are opened up to a younger age group? 
I don't think they have specific plans in place as yet, but we do know that districts in terms of students age 12 and above have been instrumental in offering vaccination clinics. So they are easily accessible to the students once they became eligible. And I would expect that they would be able to continue to play that role uh, when younger students are eligible for vaccination. Now, if parents or grandparents are hearing this, what is the message that school boards have for those parents and guardians as they get their children prepared for the upcoming school year? School board members are very focused on the well-being of your children. They are very committed to making sure that their academic as well as their social-emotional needs are met, and in doing that in a very safe manner. You should have confidence that they are acting in the best interests of the school community and that you can rely on them to, through the superintendent, to communicate what the practices are that will protect your students and what the resources are that are available to students and families as they navigate through this pandemic. And the pandemic has been the the main issue now for education for over a year. Is it too soon to start looking beyond COVID and, you know, learning more long-term in Connecticut and the, the, the needs that exist there? Those needs have been also part of the thinking of every superintendent and every school board through this past year. As boards set their goals for the coming year, while they acknowledge the presence of the pandemic, they are also very focused on what are the long-term needs? How do we support our students who will pursue a career upon graduation from high school? How do we make sure that all students have an opportunity if they wish to pursue higher education? So long-term goals are definitely still part of the discussion and will continue to be in the forefront every time a board of education takes action. Now, boards of education have been meeting remotely. Have you heard any feedback in terms of how that has been going? And is is that going to stick around post-COVID-19? I think that's going to vary by school district. Certainly the in-person interaction that people are able to have is is all of us that have been using remote meetings for many months recognize you miss those uh, informal discussions that take place, but boards certainly have reported that there has been greater public access using their remote platforms. Now that in some districts, though their board meetings were already televised, I think the fact that many families were not engaged in, in as many activities outside of the home probably meant that there was more time to tune into a board of education meeting. And of course, there were a number of hot topics of immediate concern to parents and guardians. So I think there may, in some districts, continue to be some hybrid opportunities but also we see in many cases a desire by both community members and boards of education to have an in-person opportunity. Now, I I know it seems there's a debate every year whether or not to start school before or after Labor Day. Is there a consensus in Connecticut? There is definitely not a consensus. 
Um, and again, it's very much dependent upon local circumstances. There is the argument that if they start in uh, early, very early September before Labor Day, they school will not have to go as late in June. Um, there are communities, for instance, shoreline communities, where the need for um, the opportunity for students who are working in some of the shoreline businesses over the summer means that they find it more feasible to start after Labor Day. There's no great answer. We have to remember that many of our schools in Connecticut are not air conditioned. So whether we're talking about late August or mid-June, it's not necessarily the optimal temperature for learning. She is Patrice McCarthy, Deputy Director and General Counsel of the Connecticut Association of Boards of Education. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.